morning. Time to begin service. Let's stand together. Lord, we bless you today. We praise you. We magnify you, O oh Lord. Let's bless you together today, church.
we bless you, Lord. We praise you, O Lord. We lift you up, O God. We magnify you. The last song we sing, even if our praise is broken, even if our hallelujah is broken, we come to praise you, Lord Jesus. No matter what we've gone through this week, no matter what we're facing tomorrow, no matter what's going on in our lives right now at this time, we bring a praise to you, O God.
worship now with a special group coming up to sing. and don't know us well. Um, we have started a new family group and this is all, we're all cousins. And um, I hope that this morning you will not look at us and worry about how we sound or what we're doing, but I hope you'll get your mind on the Lord. The song that we're singing is called My King is Known by Love. And we just came through Easter and this song talks about what he did for us and how he was rejected and despised. Yet he still gave his life for us. And he went to that cross and paid it all. So worship with us as we sing.
Praise the Lord. If you're glad to be in the house of the Lord, give God a hand clap of praise this morning in His presence. Praise the Lord. All right. Um, needing volunteers to bake cakes, if you go out the door and turn to your right, there is a board with some staff pictures on it. And there's a board right there, a sign-up sheet. So if you can help with that, it's going to be a fundraiser for our kids. They're actually going to be out there. I think Ansley Grace and Jessica our youth pastor's wife is going to be out there today on the front porch. And so if you want to get a ticket, it's only $1 a piece. And then next Sunday we'll be drawing for it. It is, this week is going to be a chocolate cake with chocolate icing. You can't go wrong with that, folks. It's good every time, I'm telling you. And so our first drawing will be next week. So grab those this morning, uh, $1 per ticket. So if you want to give $5 to the kids' ministry, they're going to give you five tickets. And to me, it's really about raising the money for the kids is what it's about. I'm going to tell you what we've got our eyes on. We haven't really got a lot of prices yet, so it's really young. But we really need to get that playground out there up to par. And so we've got our eyes on that project and hoping that maybe we can start reaching that goal. So um, maybe you can help, help get us there. Those things are expensive. Have y'all looked them up lately? You ought to. It is crazy. I think I'm going to get some wood and start building. Right, guys? Some of you can help me do that. That may be what we have to end up doing. I don't know. It'll be a lot cheaper. I can tell you that. All right, guys. Let's stand for the reading of the word. I'm going to get you to stand one more time. I'm, I'm speaking a unique sermon today entitled, Ouch, That Hurts, But I Like It. Are y'all ready for this word today? Nobody likes pain, do you? But today I'm going to talk about we are going to like it by the end, and I'm going to tell you why. John chapter 15, verse 1 through 8. Are you ready for the word of God? Say amen. I am the true vine. My father is its gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will bear even more fruit. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me. As I also remain in you, no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. This is some powerful stuff here, folks. I am the vine, you are the branches. But if you remain in me and I in you, hallelujah to God, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing if you do not remain in me. You are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Hallelujah. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Somebody say amen as you're seated today. I was reading the story of a guy that his father... Uh, retired from the Air Force. They moved to West Virginia where his grandmother was. There was a small house beside where his grandmother lived there and they lived beside and there was 36 acres track of land there. And he said for the whole 36 acres there were two rows of apple trees. And he said they had never been orchard farmers, didn't know anything about it. And so they never messed with the trees, never pruned the trees, never worked with the trees. But said for about five years, all they did was eat the fruit off of the tree. We enjoy apples, right? So they walk by, grab an apple, grab an apple, and eat an apple. They did that for about five years. 
and said what he noticed after time had went on is that even though the trees had produced more branches and more limbs and more leaves, over the course of time it started producing less, lesser and lesser amount of apples. He figured out when he got older that the reason that the tree had become unproductive was simply because they had failed to prune the tree. And therefore, it made the tree unproductive. He said if we had been in the apple growing business, we would have went out of business because we did not know what we were truly doing. Those of you who have ever gardened before, you know that a fruitful garden brings acclamation and praise to the gardener. When, when I told you before, when we were growing up, my father planted five acres, normally five or so acres of garden. We had corn, we had all kinds of vegetables, whatever you can name, we had it out there. Okra, one of my favorites. We had potatoes, and I had to get down there in the dirt and dig up. Some of you kids, you don't know anything about that. You just thought they popped up and put them in a bag. But no, you got to dig for them things. And so I dug for those potatoes. I did all that. I remember... Our little town had about 300 or so people. It still probably has under 400. I don't know how big it is now, but 300 something odd people when I was living there as a kid. And I remember that my father became known as the gardener. Everybody ate off of our garden. I'll never forget it. He would go uptown and he'd have bags and he'd hand tomatoes to Miss So-and-so or Mr. So-and-so. We'd hand them okra. We'd give them all kinds of things because literally we always had such a surplus rather than letting it go to waste. We would rather give it away. But my father as the gardener was acclaimed and praised because of that. So we know that the gardener gets glory when a garden produces. However, if you ride by a field and it's withered and, and it looks dry and barren and pitiful, what does it bring to the gardener? Shame. Reproach. It doesn't bring anything good. It is all negative. It looks like the gardener has been a failure. But in the portion of Scripture that I've read to you today, Jesus is telling us that the Father is the gardener and the Father is planning to get glory from His garden. Now, Chevy, let's do verse by verse. Verse 1 is where we're going to start. He said, I'm the true vine. My Father is the gardener. Now, in chapter 15 and verse 1, and you can read back, this is the seventh of the I am statements of Jesus. He said, I am the door. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. He goes through all of these. This is the last statement that he makes of the I am. And he says, I am the true vine. What is he saying by saying this? He is telling his people, the Jewish people, that being a Jew is not good enough. When you read in Isaiah and all the writings of the prophets, they had often referred to Israel as being a vine. And, and oftentimes we read that, but the thing about it is in every instance that Israel is mentioned as the vine, it is derogatory. Because they always brought shame to the vine dresser. Look at this with me at Isaiah 5. The song of the vineyard is what this is called. The song of the vineyard. What more could have been done for my vineyard than I have done for it? When I looked for good grapes, what did it yield? Only bad. Now I will tell you what I am going to do to my vineyard. I will take away its hedge. It will be destroyed. I will break down its walls. It will be trampled. I will make it a wasteland, neither pruned nor cultivated. And briars and thorns will grow there. I will command the clouds, not the rain on it. The vineyard of the Lord Almighty is the nation of Israel. And the people of Judah and the vines he 
delighted in and he looked for justice but saw bloodshed for righteousness but he heard cries of distress often this vine is referred to in a derogatory way because Israel constantly brought shame to their creator constantly brought shame to the gardener God Almighty and to the vine Jesus Christ see Jesus the true vine is trying to show his people that being connected to him means more than having a lineage that connects you to to your father Abraham. The Jews all the time. Oh our father Abraham did it this way. Father Abraham did it that way. They always wanted to go back to their lineage. This is where we came from. But what Jesus was saying to the Jewish people. When he said I am the true vine. He was trying to get them to understand. It is more important that you stay connected to the vine. Jesus Christ. Than to try to stay connected to father Abraham. Because Father Abraham is not going to save you. Father Abraham is not going to help you. He's dead in a grave. But I am alive forevermore. You better learn where you put your trust at. Follow with me today. No one has ever made it. I think this is what God is trying to say to us today. No one has ever made it hanging off a daddy's coattail. It didn't matter what lineage you came from. If you're not connected to the true vine, it doesn't matter who daddy is. It doesn't matter. Nobody's ever made it hanging off a grandma's skirt tail. Come on, somebody. They may have been great grandmas and great prayer warriors, but it ain't going to get us there. The only way he tells the Jewish people that you are going to make it is if you are connected to the vine, Jesus Christ. He's the source of life. He is the nourishment. He is the only one that can bring peace and strength to your life. The ability of the branch to bear fruit, it flows from the vine. Oh my God Almighty. Now now when we look at this together today, it is rather a simple uh, way that I'm going to try to tell this. So cut off from the source, what happens to the branch? It withers, it dies. But if the branch is connected to the vine, it is expected to do what? To bear fruit. Because it is the natural law. It is the natural way of things. It is the the process of planting and sowing and reaping. This is the way God intended it to be. Look at what else we learn from verse 1. Let's go back to verse 1, Chevy. We learn that the Father is the gardener. Now I want to show you this. God spoke in the beginning and all things came into being. He created it all. Everything He created was Good. When I thought of that, I said, praise God, I'm glad that I got a good father, a good, good father. And he said, I know how to give good gifts to my children. Anybody got any good gifts from God lately? Anything God does, he does well. The God that I serve does not do a halfway job. The God that I serve doesn't even do a 99% job. My God does it all the way. He's not like me and you sometimes that we try to get lazy and take a shortcut or a shorter route. This God that I serve, if He's going to do it, it's going to be done good. That's why when He created the world, He said to everything, it was good. And the same thing that God is wanting to say in your life as His fruit, is it is good. When you get to the end of life, what's the last words he's wanting to say to you? Well done, my good and faithful servant. So, since the Father is the gardener, then he will be glorified by what his garden produces. Am I not right? When people look at the church at God's garden... 
Does it bring glory to God? Does it bring joy to God? As gardener, the Father will always protect the integrity of the vine, Jesus Christ. You can take a branch and you can cut it off from the vine and it can live. It can still live. And I'll get into that in just a little while as to what I mean by that. But if the vine were to be killed, what happens to every branch on the tree? Without Jesus Christ, without the true vine, it dies. There's a reason that church doors close. It's because the church dies. Jesus is no longer the center of it all. Jesus is not the heartbeat of it all. It's not about let us win people for Jesus. It's about let us just, just maintain and let us just bless ourselves and help ourselves and just maintain and just go through the flow and do things the way we've always done it. That is the church that will sit there stagnant and eventually that church dies. But to those that are connected to Jesus Christ hallelujah, they're saying he's all that matters. I want to win somebody for Jesus. This church will not go under because we'll continue to show this world the fruit that we bear and when they see the good fruit that we bear they're going to glorify God. And they're going to want to be a part of that vine. Now watch this, this is good. So Jesus died once for all. You remember that? We celebrated it last week. But he rose again. And on the day that he rose again, his life is guaranteed for eternity. He's not going nowhere, folks. Our gardener's not going anywhere. For in the beginning was God. In the beginning with God was the Word, which was Jesus Christ. It came and dwelt among. They always have been and they always will be. So, but yet, ironically, His death was the very seed that would fall on the ground and it would give birth to the church. Through the Savior's death, through the vine's death on the cross, thank God that He would give birth to the church. But there's something that Matthew chapter 5, and I'm not going to read it, but I'm going to quote it to you pretty much. You'll know it. In Matthew chapter 5, 29 and 30, there's something that Jesus teaches us about the church. And as leaders, we don't like talking about it. We don't like reading it because it just disturbs us. But Jesus said, when he spoke of the body of Christ, he said, if your eye offends you, anybody know? You pluck that bad boy out. That's disgusting, isn't it? Pluck it out. If your hand offends you, you cut it off. You get the story. If your feet are going places they shouldn't go, you'd be better off to cut your feet. The point of that was simply this. He said it would be better for a man to have one eye and enter into the kingdom of God and walk in the favor of God and be blessed by God than to leave a rotten eye and let the whole body die. Now, we don't like letting people go, and we'll beg them to stay. And I've been guilty of it. You know, people say, well, I'm going, sorry. And I said, whoa, whoa, you can't go nowhere. I act like I own them. I don't own them. I mean, they're their own person. But I've learned in my life that there's times that even though I'm unknowing of it, that God is doing something called pruning and I can't understand that concept because in my flesh, I just naturally think that the more people that I can get on the pew, the healthier my church is. But God sees it differently than that. 
Because he understands that if you let one root of bitterness spring up in the body, what happens? You better deal with the root of bitterness because if you don't, what will it do? It will defy the whole body. It will spread. And that's what he said. So sometimes you got to cut it off. Sometimes you're better off, God's saying to us, to lose somebody. If I'm serious, there's been troublemakers. There's people that go around and try to start trouble in churches. I've had pastors call me when somebody came to my church and said, you better watch them. They just caused the ruckus here. They're probably going to do the same thing there. So God says there's times that instead of letting the whole body suffer, you just cut it off. I got to hurry. I've got to hurry today. I got so much to cover. So he's protecting the integrity of the vine. As the garden of the Father gets more fruit from the branch than it can produce on its own. It is his skill. It is his wisdom. It is his care for the branches. It is how he loves us. He can coax what I would call a bumper crop more than we can handle otherwise without this gardener God in the works it would be an average yield but our ability to do anything of value for the Lord it is contingent on him it is contingent on us yielding our life to him it is contingent upon us saying God you take control of my life you do with me what you want to do thank God that this gardener is patient thank God that I'm telling you I've him before and I'm glad that God didn't say just cut off Jimmy just cut him off he let me down I'm going to destroy him I'm going to throw him in the fire thank God he doesn't give up on us like that folks he hangs in there he's long suffering he's patient he's full of love but at the same time if you're going to occupy his vine then you must bear fruit ouch this is going to hurt Pruned branches. Let's go to verse 2. By the time we leave today, man, the Spirit of God's going to be... He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, He prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. Are y'all ready for this? So Jesus says every branch that does bear fruit, when you read it, you expect something soft and affirming. Like every branch that bears fruit, He just leaves it alone. He pats them on the back. Good job, man. You just hang in there. He pats him on the head like a little puppy dog. You're doing great. That's the kind of affirmation I'm expecting to hear from him. But that's not what Jesus said. Jesus didn't say that. A gardener doesn't get glory because there's an apple on an apple tree. Any dummy can get an apple tree to grow an apple. But only a true gardener can make that thing really flourish. I mean, I know how to plant a seed and cover it up. I know how to water it. But when it comes to the proper way to prune and the techniques and all this thing, I got to studying this yesterday and watching YouTube videos and got carried away with tree branches. That's crazy, isn't it? My Lord. I I just did because this, this gardener doesn't get glory merely because there's apples on the tree. He gets glory because his tree produces the biggest apples. The best apples. The most bountiful apples. It's the apples that the branches are laying on the ground kind of apples. This is when a true gardener gets glory. Can I just say it this way? Going to church doesn't get it done. 
singing your hymns and your songs and, and praising God or, or paying your tithes and, and giving in your offerings. And I'm not discouraging that because I, we need that and we praise God for that. But it's nothing out the norm. Because if I'm producing and I'm bearing fruit, these things are natural for me. I naturally know I've come today to sing and lift up Jesus. I naturally know that I've come to preach about Jesus. I know today that at the back of our doors, and I'll just remind you while I'm preaching on tithes and offering, that there's two buckets about this big. They're about that deep so we can hold a lot of money today if you feel a little generous. So you could drop it in there. We know today. I have an automatic payment. A lot of you do it that way. You do automatic push pay every single week. Your tithes, they come out like clockwork. You don't even mess with it. You don't even touch it. They just come out. You got to automatic. Bam, bam, bam. Because you know that it is the norm. It is what God commands of a fruitful Christian. And so we don't have a problem with those activities. They're great. But people involved in cults do the same thing. If we were to join a satanic church, we would do the same thing we do in this church, except we'd be praising somebody else other than Jesus. We'd be praising the devil. They would take up tithes. They would take up offerings. They're going to sing a few songs. I don't know what kind of songs they sing. I've never been to a devil church. But I do know they exist. I've read books about them. I've heard about it. I know there's cults out there that do some crazy thing. They're going to do some of the same things that we do. God prunes us. Because He is going to do more through us than we can do alone. He wants everyone who looks at our life to say only a great gardener could produce a branch like that that produces that kind of fruit. And the whole time, what are we doing? As people are bragging about the fruit on us and how kind we are, how loving we are, how great of a person we are, the whole time we're pointing them back to God and saying, look, it's the gardener. If it wasn't for the gardener, He's been taking care of me. If it wasn't for the vine, Jesus Christ, I couldn't do this. And in turn, we bring people to Jesus. So Jesus said, every branch that does bear fruit, He prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Now when you prune a branch, and this is what was so interesting to me yesterday, you cut off what is called little bleeder twigs. Has anybody ever heard of those things? These twigs, that y'all going to go and look at your trees today, aren't you? Find your apple tree. There's twigs that are going to be extending from a healthy branch. Those little twigs are going to be there. There's no flowers, no leaves on them. There's no apples on them. It is not producing fruit. But I can tell you what that bleeder twig is doing. It is taking nourishment and sap from the vine. God have mercy. So they don't produce it, but they are robbing the vine and the branch that they're connected to from producing. In fact, these little twigs divert precious nutrients. So they rob the vine of some of its fruit. It is constantly there in the way. But a master gardener, when he sees it, he recognizes the twigs gotta go. You see, I've seen some church people like this. 
They want to be connected to the vine. They want to be one of the branches. They won't give, give, give. What kind of nutrients can I get from the vine? What kind of prayers will God answer today? What's God going to give me today? What's God going to give my family today? But they never contribute any fruit. And so when the gardener comes around, he sees this twig that is taking sap and energy from the other member. And he says, cut it off. Cast it in the fire because it is not productive. What I'm trying to tell you is I do not want to be a bleeder twig. I want to be one of the branches that are producing some fruit that God says let him stay on there. He's doing his part for the kingdom of God. He's working day and night, working as hard as he can. He's praying. He's seeking my face. I can make something out of that boy. That's the kind of branch I want to be. And so when I look at this pretty powerful stuff, if we are not producing fruit, what does he do? He cuts us off. Why would you let non-production encumber a vine that is healthy so he cuts it off he bundles it up in verse 6 the Bible says he burns it in the fire I guess that's kind of showing us where we're going if we're not right with God but guess what now us that are on the branch we're thinking to ourselves man this is great we're doing so good up here oh man we're so blessed everybody else getting cut off Look at. but guess what God does to those he said that are even bearing fruit all of a sudden he starts pruning on me I thought I was doing a good job. I thought I was producing. I mean, I thought that God was happy with me. And even though He was, He begins to prune me. Ouch! That hurts, God. What are you doing to me? I mean, how dare you? I mean, God, God that promotion that, that I had, I know that promotion was going to keep me away from God. And, and my family wasn't going to be able to go to church. But God, I didn't know. But God had to cut it off. I mean, ouch, God, that hurts as he begins to prune away. How dare you make me get up 30 minutes early so that I can read a devotion and talk to you before I start my day. Lord, you know I need my beauty sleep. Uh, some of you need more than others. Anyhow, ouch, that hurts, God. Don't you dare ask me to give more in the offering. Don't you ask me to do that. There's a new gadget out. I've had my eye on it, man. It's so sweet. I, I got to get a hold of it. If I give extra to you, I can't get that. I got to have it and I got to have it now. But God begins to prune us yet again. Jesus tells us the Father prunes us. Why? So that we be, will be more fruitful. But I got to admit to you because it's been done to me. It hurts. Verse 3, he says, you are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Now, when I started reading that the other day, I thought that don't even make sense. It doesn't even fit in what we're reading. But when I have my little Bible app and I click the three little dots on, on version Bible, and it says in the Greek, the word translated prune is also the same translation for the word clean. So in the context of the vine metaphor, it means to clean those vines and those branches of those bleeder limbs. In the spiritual context, it means that our lives are cleaned by Jesus Christ. Another word that we don't use very often, but he said, you are sanctified. Woo. 
So because I'm connected to the vine, all of a sudden the impurities are leaving me. He's given me too many good nutrients. Now I begin, look at John 17. Sanctify them. This is the prayer over his disciples. Sanctify them by the truth. He said, your word is truth. Sanctify them by your what? Which is the truth. And the truth... The truth, right? But the truth, oh man, come on people, are you listening good to me this morning? Have you ever heard that motto, this will help you out? Let's disconnect from the branch for a minute. Somebody ever told you the truth? It. Oh, thank God, hallelujah. You're the next, right anyhow, the truth, it hurts. And so what happens is when God's word, oh God, and this happened to me, God, so many times it's happened to me and it hurts. When God's word gets a hold of me, have you ever read a scripture and all of a sudden the Holy Ghost just pricked you right there and all of a sudden the word cuts you and you think to yourself, ouch, that really hurts. But what God is trying to do is not kill me. He is not trying to cut me off and throw me in the fire. He is simply pruning me and cleaning me and sanctifying me through His Word, even though it sometimes hurts. So I guess what I'm trying to say is that the Word of God will sometimes trim our hedges. Sometimes the Word would shake the limb and the dead branches would fall. I've sat in church before. And had the word work on me. I remember several years back. There was this guy named Mitchell Toll Senior. And Mitchell got up there. And he started preaching. On basically us being the hands and feet of Jesus. And winning the world. And he just raked. I mean you think pastors rake. You know members over. My God that day that he's a pastor. And he raked over the pastors. By the time that man got finished. I found myself flat on my face praying and crying and begging God to forgive me for what I had become. And I'm going to tell you, I left that building that day thinking, ouch, that really hurt. But I liked it. And there was something in me, he was speaking the next morning, that even though God had pruned me, even though God had cleaned me a little bit, even though the Word had cut me, even the intentions and the thoughts and the discerning of my heart had been cut by the power of the Word of God, it was in that moment that I said, man, I cannot wait to get back tomorrow morning and I hope it happens again. See, this is when we truly want to bear fruit for Jesus like we claim we do when the word starts pruning us there is a longing and a hunger for more of that Woo! I know this is deep today folks I'm sorry I'm sorry I'm sorry maybe I'll give you a feel good shouting message next week but this week we're going to prune a little bit by the time I left that altar I knew God had changed me I want to hear it again. God changed me. God worked in me. God's made me clean. And though it hurt, I was glad that God did it. Verse 4. As I hurry along, look at what he said. Remain in me. As I also remain in you. Stop it right here. Remain in Jesus. Jesus tells us what every seasoned gardener knows. Now this is the video I watched. And when you get home, you ought to watch it too. It was of a grapevine. And this guy was showing us how that you graft a branch. Anybody ever watch that? So you can cut the branch off 
all right? And then you cut it in the divider pieces to where you open it up, all right? Take a knife, you cut it all around, you got these pieces. And then you put it back on the vine. And then you wrap it really tight with some good, it was some kind of white stuff. I don't even know what it was, all right? We'll call it tape. I don't know. But he wrapped that baby up. And he said, now what's going to happen? He said, in the next three or four weeks, he said, this is going to connect to the vine. It's going to connect to one another. And he said, and eventually the next four weeks or so, he said, fruit, grapes will start producing or, or sprigs or whatever will come forth showing that the grapes are about to produce on this branch that we have cut. My God Almighty. So you have to cut the branch loose from its present location. And then you bind the fresh cut branch to the fresh wound of the vine. When I read that and when I saw that, I thought to myself, that's that's exactly what happened on Calvary. I was broken. I was beaten down. I was dead in my sins. But he was wounded for my transgressions. And then all of a sudden I was connected to Jesus Christ. And look at me today. I'm alive and well producing fruit. That, oh God, hallelujah. There's something in this. My God have mercy. Help me today, Jesus. So if the branch is going to grow and produce... Do you know what it has to do? Are you ready for this? It has to stay put. If you continue to move that vine, that branch around, if you break off the top, break, and you keep breaking, eventually that branch is going to have no hope and that branch is going to die. But if you just leave it intact and leave it in place, it will. Did y'all hear me? It will. No questions asked. It will produce fruit. That is why church hoppers aren't fruitful. Because they'll try out this church for three months. I've seen people do it. Make the rounds to the other church three months. Go to this one for six months. Come another one for eight months. And they make their, round, their rounds all around. But the whole time they can't produce fruit. Because they haven't remained. There's something to be said about someone that will simply stick it out and stay connected to the branch. There's people that get wounded in the church and they think, I'm going to leave the church. I don't like what somebody said to me. I don't like what they did to me. So what do they do, Brother Scott? They leave wounded. But what have they done? They disconnected from the vine. What they should have done is prayed it through, connected with the vine, and said, hey, I can grow. I can be blessed. Because I'm telling you, if they hurt you here, they're probably going to hurt you there. Sometimes you just got to stick it out. When it's tough, just stick it out. Stay connected to the vine, Jesus Christ, and you will produce fruit, folks. All right, hurry, Pastor, verse 5. Verse 5, let's go, Chevy. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, this is what I want you to grab. Apart from me, you can do nothing. This is so important. What can I do without Jesus? Nothing. Can I preach without Jesus? Can I sing without Jesus? I mean, I can do it. But there won't be no anointing. There won't be no power. There won't be no conviction. There won't be no tears flowing. There won't be people lifting their hands and giving God glory because they feel what is coming from this pulpit. So somebody said you may be able to sing like an angel. You may be able to preach like Apollos or the Apostle Peter. But apart from Jesus, 
You can do nothing. You can fast for days. You can pray for weeks. But apart from Jesus. Somebody said, that don't even make no sense. Well, just look at the story of the Pharisee and the sinner. The Pharisee and the sinner are praying. The sinner's on the ground. He's beating his chest saying, God, I'm unworthy to even be in your presence. And there's a Pharisee over there. Do y'all remember what he said? Well, Lord, I fast and I, I pray and I've been paying tithes for years and years faithfully. That's basically what he says. He's praising his, glorifying himself. Look at what I've produced. But God wanted us to know that day. He said, do you know who I forgave and who I looked kindly on? It was not that public, that Pharisee. It was that publican and that sinner. That one that everybody thought didn't deserve it. He's the one that I heard. My God Almighty. Because he understood that without me, he was absolutely nothing. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the power of God to salvation, Romans 1 said. The message may come in different forms and different varieties. It may come in what I'll call different methods. In other words, it may come in a different package to you. And it may come to a different package to you. But at the end of the day, the power is not in the package. The power is in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And, and, and Oh, yes, yes, yes. So we cannot do it. We cannot reach the world without Jesus. Verse 7. I'm almost done. Verse 7. If you remain in me, my words remain in you. Ask whatever you wish. I love this verse. And it will be done for you. So in contrast to the dead branches, the ones that remain plugged in, the ones that stick it out and they stay connected to the life source, are the branches that are producing fruits. So Jesus says something interesting in this verse I need to look at real quick. He said, if you will just remain in me, if my words remain in you. In other words, he's saying, if, if you will stay attached to me, if you will allow the cleansing word to continually prune your life, even though, ouch, it hurts, then you will produce the fruit of a powerful prayer life. Woo. Did anybody have a grandma that could touch heaven did anybody have a mom or daddy that knew how to shake the cordials of heaven and let, the, let God know they prayed? Anybody ever heard the song, Prayer Brothers of Heaven? Does anybody know anybody that used to could shake the prayer brothers of heaven? I think of Paul Stevens. Anytime I think about prayer, he was a man of prayer. I think about Paul Stevens all the time when I think about my prayer life. I say, God, help me. Help me to be like Paul. Because I'm telling you, that man, if anybody knew how to pray, he knew how to pray. Because when he'd start praying, son, you'd feel it. You could feel it because all of a sudden he had made a connection. Why? Because he was connected to the true vine. He had been pruned. What I'm telling you today is what God is saying. is to those that remain in Jesus, remain pruned. And let the word just cut them whenever they need to be cut. Prune them whenever they need to be pruned. He said you are going to produce some fruit. And you too are going to be able to shake heaven. And you too are going to be able to ring the prayer bell. And you too are going to see prison doors open and walls shake because powerful prayer life is going to come from your fruit watch this folks watch this I'm wound up today I am wound up today help me Jesus so fruit in this context represents answered prayers that means you're going to pray God's going to do it you're going to pray 
God's going to do it. Somebody's going to ask you to pray, and you're going to pray, and God's going to do it. I'm not, I'm not preaching some gospel to you that's not other than the Word of God. I'm just reading to you what God said. He's saying if I let the Word of God do its work in me, if I stay faithful to Jesus, the result of the fruit is a powerful prayer life. It's going to be Elijah calling fire down from heaven in 63 words. It's going to be Elijah saying it's not going to rain, and it's not going to rain. But it's going to be Elijah saying the rain's about to come, and the rain's going to come. It's going to be the man of God, Daniel, who's in a lion's den. And the Darius is going to come the next morning and say, Daniel, are you still alive? And Daniel's going to say, I prayed last night to God. And the Lord sent an angel and shut the lion's mouth. It's going to be Peter that prayed and the building is shaking. That kind of prayer. What we need in our church is some people that really want to get hungry and produce some fruit and just stop coming to church. That's what we need. That's what we need. Verse 8. And I'm bringing it to an end. This is to my Father's glory that you bear how, how, how much fruit? Much fruit! Showing yourselves to be my disciples. So when I allow God's word to complete its work in me, I will be fruitful. God is glorified. Look at this bigger fruit, this bigger garden that the gardener has produced. A fruitful prayer life glorifies God, but it doesn't come without a cost. This is where most walk away. This is where most settle for mediocrity. But thank God for those that want a little more. The reason that we see so few miracles in our churches, it is not because God is not able. I'm afraid it's because we haven't allowed God to take us through the pruning process. We have not allowed the word to trim our hedges. And we say, ouch, that hurts. But we've come to the place in our walk with God where we can honestly say, it hurts God, but I like it. Because I know, 2 Corinthians 4, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So he's saying, the reason I like going through this pruning, even though it hurts, he says, I know that there's an eternal glory that is going to outweigh. There's no pain or difficulty that the pruning process can cause me that one day it's not going to be worth it. I like it because in the end I will do more. I like it because in the end I will be more than I would have been on my own. Play that song, You Deserve the Glory. Will you play that for me? Let's sing that before we close today. And in the end, look at what I'm doing. In the end... God gets the glory. Some people tried to bear fruit. Next thing you know, they were saying, look what I did. And God had to cut them off, cut them down. But when God puts fruit on your tree, you ought to say, you know what? Somebody say, you blessed. Hey, to God be the glory. Look at all the things God's given you. That's right, to God be the glory. I didn't achieve it my own. The things I have... Is something in your life hindering your prayers today? Is it hitting the ceiling and falling down? Is there something that you know today in your spirit that God wants to prune from your life? Are there some things you need to just let go of? Because until you do, you will not see fruit of a powerful prayer life where God just answers your prayers. God does not get glory from anemic prayers. He does not get glory from powerless prayers. He does not get glory from purposeless prayers. So today, on April the 11th, almost 12 o'clock, 
It is time for you to experience a powerful prayer, devotion life like you've never known before. Now, this moment, it is time that you allow what the Lord has said through His Word to begin to cut you, to prune you. It will not be comfortable. It will not be easy. You may not like it at first. But I'm begging you today that if we as a church, if we as individuals, if we are going to produce a fruit that can change a world that's dying and on their way to hell, then brother, we better let God get the pruning away because He's coming back. We are sooner today than His return than we've ever been before. If there's ever been a time that the Word needs to change me, it's right now, right here today. All right. Let's close. Let's close. Can we all stand today? <sighs> so in the end, you are so blessed. You are so fruitful. Everybody recognizes it. And they understand the gardener deserves the glory. The gardener deserves the praise for what he's done in your life. Because by yourself, I hate to tell you, but you are absolutely Separated by Lord, we lift our hands. Sing it, sing it with me. Yes, you deserve all my glory. You are a Lord. Sing it again. I want you just right now to have your moment with God. I don't care if you lift your hand, I don't care if you kneel, I don't care if you close your eyes. I don't care if you keep your eyes open and look to the sky. I don't care how you do it. I just want you to say, God, prove me. God, prove me. I want to produce fruit. I said, I want to produce fruit. I want to produce fruit, Lord. I want to be used by you. I don't want anything to hinder me. I want a powerful prayer life. I want to pray and heaven listens. I want to pray and things happen all because I've been productive. I'm growing fruit. You're cutting me. It's hurting me. Your word is convicting me. I don't like it at first. But Lord, once it's done, I'm going to like it. I'm going to praise God for it. Holy Lord, you are great. You deserve it, Jesus. Sing it, son.